All right, welcome back to part two of the Combo Revolution podcast, dealing with the news of the week. And wow, Kevin, did we have some news of the week to go through? Woo. Fast and furious. It was every day, Kevin. We were just DMing each other on Twitter, left and right, with some more news that had just broke. I mean, so much happened this week. Let's dive right into it. Let's start first with the news of an agreement between DC Entertainment and Webtoon. That's right. Webtoon mm -hmm. is owned by South Korean internet company Naver. Of course, uh, Warner Media owns DC Entertainment. Well, DC Entertainment struck a deal with Webtoon. And the two companies will collaborate on standalone webcomics that, quote, will appeal to all fans without the need to know or read any previous stories, end quote. The companies plan to announce more in the next few weeks. What we do know right now is that the DC webcomics will first be available in English, followed by other language translations, I think that is important to note, Kevin, because that lets you know that this agreement with Webtoon is primarily targeting the United States market first yeah. rather than trying yeah. to use this as a vehicle to expand into foreign markets. Not that it can't expand into foreign markets, but obviously if this was a, an effort to expand into foreign markets first, I think you would see them trans you would see it come out in Japanese or Korean first and then you know, back its way into English second. In addition to this, DC Comics SVP and GM Daniel Cherry said that DC has been, quote, working closely with the Webtoon writers and artists to adapt our characters and stories to Webtoon's mobile format. Our shared goal is to create fun and compelling DC stories, that all readers will enjoy, end quote. From Ken Kim, the CEO of Webtoon Entertainment US, well, Kim said that Webtoon takes, quote, well-known intellectual property like DCs to develop into content for younger generations, emphasizing the platform's audience skewing toward users 16 to 24 Kim said that this is going to be beneficial for DC and Webtoon. And for people who aren't familiar with Webtoon, Webtoon's webcomics typically comprise 50 to 60 episodes per season, and each episode normally is 50 to 70 panels presented in a vertical scrolling <laughs> format. And the app's standard release model provides one to three free episodes with three to five paid episodes behind a paywall which are available for about 50 cents each with more free content released on a weekly basis. Kevin, this news tells me a couple of things, then I want to get your take, okay? It tells mm -hmm. me what, look, just look at what Kim and Cherry said. They're trying to reach a, a younger audience mm -hmm. who do not buy comics at all. I can tell you I have two teenagers in my home, Kevin, and neither of the two teenagers have ever purchased or mentioned a desire to purchase a comic book. Okay. Whereas they have they webtoons, they know that very well. All right. Mm -hmm. Two, they're trying to expand outside of their current fan base, who are people generally uh, have some type of knowledge of the continuity of the DCU, which let's be frank, yeah. Kevin, while I may be, and you may be a big fan of DC's history and continuity. That is a big turnoff and a big barrier for a lot of new readers. It, it just mm -hmm. is. And three, it appears that while they're trying to go younger and expand outside of traditional comic book audience in the United States, there appears to be the second secondary mission of translating it into other languages and trying to push the DC characters to foreign audiences who consume webtoons but don't really know anything about DC, primarily the Asian market, I would imagine. Yeah. So that's it's very interesting to see this. What that those are my immediate takeaways, and I think it's smart clearly to do this. What did you think? 
I, I honestly think this is the best idea that DC has had in a long time, just because just looking at reports from last yeah. year, what yep. about 75% of the users for North America yes. are 24 years and younger yep. and 64% are, fe- are female. Yep. So again, you're getting into a market that wouldn't normally read a comic book if they, yep. if they don't have, have a connection to it, but for some reason, mm-hmm. um, and this will instantly draw a connection. Obviously, with webtoons, there is a paid version and right. non-paid. There's independent artists. Some, some will just release all their content for free on there. You do have to have a certain amount of page views to get into the premium version of it. So it does seem like DC is going to release this as their part of the premium model that uh, webtoons has. But mm-hmm. again, I think it's just smart uh, to try and see what what is tapping into it. Just because kind of what we talked about with the solicitations that. DC has also gone into young adults exploring that and yep. seeing how they could target towards the young adult novel market. And again, going into the manga market, you don't te- team up with Swisher. The next best thing really is Webtoon yes. in terms of this because Webtoon has rapidly grown over the years. We see it with the anime industry where we've seen a couple animes have risen up from from Webtoons like the God of, the God of High School and the Tower of Gods. Yeah. Um, so there's a, lot, there's a lot of popularity you have from what they report is that they have about 16 and a half million active users daily that read webtoons on a daily basis that's huge amount of people mm-hmm. if you could get just a percent of that mm-hmm. to read the dc comics that's more than what reads like a current dc comic anyways in the comic book shop so it's like again this is i think a huge win for them and it's incredibly smart for dc to do this obviously like i don't read webtoons because that's not my preferred way of reading it because the vertical <laughs> Yeah. The vertical way is just, it breaks my brain. It breaks my yes. brain of reading, reading stuff like that because I'm used to either manga or reading left to right or right yes. to left with yeah. comic books. Uh, so it just breaks my brain with webtoons. Um, I had but, my old man moment with like, you about I, that too, didn't I? Where I was like, I can't yeah. do this, Kevin. I can't do this endless yeah, exactly. vertical yeah. scrolling. <laughs> But like like you, but like you said, your son, your sons right. know about it. Yes, they um, do, and that's how they read, and that's how they got used to it. That's, Correct. Yes. Uh, again, we you cannot ignore that. Yes. Webtoon is a very popular platform. Yes. And it is honestly incredibly smart to do it, just because again, it's not for you and I, Rock, because that's not how we prefer right. to read read our comic books or read our content, because we read left to right with manga or uh-huh. right to left with comic books. But yep. there's a huge market: sixteen and a half million active users. Yeah. Per day, yeah, that is that's nothing awesome. to like blink. That, that that is awesome. And if you're if you see that yeah. and DC Comics found a way to tap into that market, right? Awesome. That that yep. is going to a bigger win than any direct to VHS movie animated movie that they put on HBO Max is Agreed. going to get them. To be honest, Agreed. So agree. I think I, I think this is a big win. Just like Marvel that recently teamed up with Shueisha to start producing manga manga content in yep. Japan. This is. Again, I think this is a huge positive for them, and it's one of the best moves that, best and smartest moves that DC has done in a long time. I agree. I, I, what I'm hoping for here is that DC Entertainment is truly just doing a licensing move here and will not have any input on the creative process. It, yeah. They do say here in, in this article, it says that the Webtoon creators, they, they specifically say that, Webtoon writers and artists, that's what Cherry says. Cherry says that Webtoon writers and artists are going to adapt our characters and stories for Webtoon's mobile format. Perfect. That is very important. reason why I think it's important, obviously, look, DCM Tim is going to have a few hardline rules. Like, you can't write a story where Batman's killing and eating babies. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but outside of some hardline rules, I like this idea of offloading all the creative work to Webtoon's talent. And the reason for that is I think there is mm-hmm. a, a complete... Look, no disrespect to the people writing for DC Comics, there is no diversity in their voices. If you didn't show me their names, every single writer at DC sounds identical to my inner ear. There's no difference in yeah. their voices. They all sound the same to me. We- using Webtoon's creative talent, I'm hoping we can get some different sounding voices and ideas, and that would be awesome. And it's a different way of writing too. It's a different way yep. of writing and art, art as well. You, it's not doesn't all translate. There's a comic way of doing things. There's mm-hmm. a manga way of doing things. There's yep. even when you do write a book. There's a way you write a, write a book. Everything yep. is a different, even though it's all writing. Mm-hmm. It's, you're you're going to a different market. You you have to understand what appeals to the people that read on webtoons. Yes. Read a, will read a novel. Will read a comic book. Will read a manga. You can't just like say, oh, hey, you know what? I'm going to write a manga right now, or I'm going to write a, 
I'm going to write a, a novel. That that's a different way of working things. You very much well known as with your background in literature. Of right, and that it's all a co- completely different form of create creativity. And so yep. I think have, tapping people that actually work in that industry already, I yes. think, is much smarter than having to say. Oh, hey, Jeff Johns, oh, to write a webtoon for us. That, yes. He, that would not be successful whatsoever because no. no. that's not how his brain works. That's not nope. how, and it's going to take a long time to get it. Now they could just be, hey, you know what? The God of, the God of High School writer, you're, you, you've done very successful. Yes. Let, let's have you write a, a, a DC, a DC uh, series. Absolutely. And I think for, the idea of getting more foreign writers to write these stories will help to bring a lot, a real breath of fresh air and some yeah. diversity to the stories that we get in the voices. So big thumbs up. I'm excited yeah. about this, even though, like you and I, Webtoons isn't our go-to, <laughs> our yeah. go-to place for entertainment. It's, it's more exciting for... It's more exciting for the future of, of the industry, yeah. and this is what DC has to do if they don't want to just go out of business, yeah. to be frank. Yeah. This is probably <laughs> going to be the, the... This is probably the most DC that maybe even your sons will read. Absolutely. That. That's, oh. the pla- that's the platform that yes. they are, and that, this is... The, this is the perfect way of introducing it to people that will, wouldn't read a comic. Yes. Just like, hey, you know what? Oh, you're interested in Webtoon? You're on there? Bingo. And did you hear that DC is on there as yes. well? Here's the stories. And this will be a good gateway to get them interested in Batman and Superman, yes. Wonder Woman, or whatever stories they get into. So that way it, it feeds into what they're doing with HBO Max and yep. all this other stuff. And making it so. continuity-free, thumbs up yeah. for new... Continuity-free is a good thing. Exactly. Next up... We heard some news from Brian Bendis on August 16 of 2021. Brian Bendis announced that he'll be moving his creator-owned titles marketed under the Jinx World brand to Dark Horse Comics from DC Comics. The titles have been at DC since 2017 after Bendis moved them from Marvel under an exclusive publishing deal that he had with DC. This move, of course, ends Bendis' exclusive relationship with DC. That contract, that exclusive contract, Kevin, was a big failure for DC. They probably greatly regret this move. It's like bringing in the athlete who is way past their prime and paying them millions and millions of dollars. It kind of reminds me when the team closest to where I live, the Redskins, signed Deion Sanders way past his prime and also in the same offseason signed Bruce Smith way past his prime. And that year, they sucked, and they paid those guys boatloads of money. So that's what, and now they're the Washington football team. Yeah. (laughs) Well, for now, there'll be something else next year. So the, so the Brian Bendis's move, we all saw it coming, Kevin. I'm not surprised. You're not surprised. The fact that he chose dark horse comics over image comics, that did surprise me a little bit, but you know, whatever. Dark horse has been around for a long time, has a good reputation. And, and it's a money thing, and they gave him probably the best money offer for publishing his stuff. So again, even though you want to say it's a creative thing, it's a money thing. So yeah, like the, they're probably the publisher that offered the most money to publish his stuff. So right, exactly. Well, with that news though, Kevin, that kind of this was this was the just the tip of the iceberg for creators moving stuff around. Because then we got big news from Jonathan Hickman. Entertainment Weekly confirmed that Jonathan Hickman will be departing the X Men line after his upcoming Inferno miniseries wraps up. And from Hickman himself, in that interview with EW, he said, quote, Marvel doesn't really pay me to just write ongoing monthly books. There's an expectation for me to write bigger books that have a wider reach than that. In an effort to facilitate both things, we've all spent the last six months or so reorienting the line, me creating Inferno to assist with that, and then bringing in some new writers to add to the existing team and then plan for the next several years of X-Books. So after Inferno, I'll be leaving to go work on my next big Marvel thing and start in January, the X-Line. And starting in January, the X-Line will rocket forward, starting with a weekly series that leads into the very cool refocused line of books. Yes, it's taken a little while to get everything assembled correctly, but the end result, everything that's coming after Inferno is going to be pretty great. So Hickman steps away and his creative team takes over for him, and Hickman will focus on, we don't know what, but it'll be the next big Marvel thing. Hickman's kind of the big idea guy. He's the big event guy. He's the break glass in case of emergency guy for Marvel. You bring him in when you need him, and it looks like he's going to take a step back, focus on some of his creator-owned work, but Marvel will bring him back when they have that big, big idea coming up in the future. 
Yeah, and I think it just speaks to that Marvel definitely has recognized Hickman out of any other creator that they've worked in the last de- at least decade plus. That he's the guy that sells a lot of comics, right. and it, they need they need him around. Um, yeah. So so like he, even if he's going to stay on as a consultant to help as a pseudo EIC for the X Men line, even if he's not writing it, that's incredibly important for them. Like yes. that he's helping with building ideas for all the creators, especially with them tapping so many new creators, concrete creators to work on the X-Men line that are coming up and comers, like having Hickman there to help them out and refine their ideas. I think they've, they spot spotted as incredibly valuable to them. And that's what this speaks to is that he's basically kind of like a mercenary for hire when they need a big event to be written. It's going to be Jonathan Hickman. Yep. And and that it just shows that out of almost any concrete creator that, like I said, has come out in the last decade or plus that has worked for Marvel. He's the guy, he, he is the guy that Marvel sees that they need to keep around, even if it's just consulting. Yeah. Like, that's incredibly valuable for them. It's very much how DC has used Jeff Johns and Grant Morrison over the years. Yeah. Very similar, very similar. Yeah. And it's, it's a yeah. smart smart move. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah and, it, and it gives a chance for Jonathan Hickman, if he wants to do his own creator work stuff, right. that, to build out that creativity that he has. Like, he has a story that he wants to work with Image right. or Substack, which we'll talk about in a sec. Yep, and but then like he comes back, he comes back to Marvel, he comes mm-hmm. back and says, "Oh, you know what? I'll write the next House of X, or right? Whatever, another a new, I'll, I'll help launch a new X Men title or a right. new Avengers title. Why not? And yeah, he he seems to enjoy it. Like everything yep. that he says, it seems like he's very he has a very good working relationship mm-hmm. with Marvel. And that's sometimes like it's a good thing for him to have because again, taking breaks is also a good thing. Cause, yes, like, it helps refresh him so that he doesn't get burnt out by writing a, a like." Marvel title for seven years. Like he could work for on a Marvel yeah. title for a year or two, and then take a break, come back, refresh, refresh, and not burnt out. So I think that, and it, that's incredible. I think we, we see this with creators all over, from Hollywood to comic yep. books to like online creators. That I think burnout is a serious thing. I think taking a break is yes. incredibly valuable for creators. Yes. And you, you like, it's not common. Like in Hollywood, it's not common usually for a director to work on a movie for three sequels it's very rare i think we got so used to that we, the mcu has warped our opinions on things like that but yeah it's not very it's never been a common thing for like steven spielberg he doesn't work on every single jurassic park movie or every indiana jones movie he he, he does six or seven different movies between if he does come back to a franchise absolutely and I, I see that as what Jonathan Hickman is, he's, it's very much uh, Steven Spielberg of, I need to work on something else. I need yes. to do AI intelligence. I need to do all these other things. So. I, I really think Hickman has looked at Grant Morrison's career and and modeled his after Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison's been writing for DC Comics since 1986. Huh? Now, he took he's taken many breaks from DC Comics, for sure, for and, and some long breaks from DC Comics, but... He's always come back, and he's been writing for DC for a very, very, very long time, multiple decades. And he's also done a lot of his own creator-owned work as well. I really, Hickman's really following in the footsteps of Grant Morrison, and you know what? That's a pretty damn good way to, <laughs> pretty yeah. damn good person to pick to model your career after, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and we, and we see it, and another big thing for Hickman is that a lot of the MCU is based on his right. Avengers work. That's like, right. Really. Especially uh, the second and third phase of MCU is yep. really Hickman's Avengers run. And oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Hickman's X-Men work is what the MCU is based on. Oh, so, that I honestly wouldn't be, so, that's why I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Disney also stepped in and said, you got to keep him around because he's a big guy yeah. that we, we could get ideas from for the MCU. Oh, agreed. That wouldn't surprise me at all. At all. Well, this leads us to the next big topic. You referenced it, Substack. This just was huge, Kevin. This, I mm-hmm. thought, was going to just split the comic book world in half with all the news coming okay. out. Back on August 9th of 2021, the New York Times reported that Marvel writer Nick Spencer became the liaison between major comic book creators and Substack. With his task, his goal, his job to lure away talent from Marvel and DC to come over to Substack. Well, let me tell you what, Nick Spencer's been a busy, busy man because, woof, did he bring over a whole bunch of people this week, Kevin. The initial lineup included Saladin Ahmed, Jonathan Hickman, Scott Snyder, James Tinian, and Molly Ostertag. Let me tell you what, Hickman, Snyder, 
Tinian, three big names, three very big names. They then announced that the creators will be paid by Substack. That's right. They will actually be paid by Substack, not just getting subscription revenue. Substack's going to pay them directly for being on their on their app. And the, the ownership of everything they create, they keep. So what more could you want? The creator gets paid by Substack. They get to charge you and I a subscription fee. And they keep ownership of all of their work. The company will take most of the subscription revenue in the first year to try to, you know, recoup some of their money. But after that, it will take a 10% cut, which is very creator friendly. So all these creators are going to have a newsletter and they're all going to use their newsletters in different ways. Hickman has said he's going to use his newsletter to work with artists Mike Del Mundo and Mike Huddleston on a new series called Three Worlds, Three Moons, in which they will let fans in on the process of building a fictional universe. Scott Snyder, he who has taught creative writing at Columbia University, New York University, and Sarah Lawrence College, will offer advice to budding comic book writers in his newsletter. And then you have James Tinian, who will be leaving DC, Batman, to be specific, the flagship title, and the Joker. And he'll be launching a new line of creator-owned comics on Substack. So, wow, big news. Tinian will kick off the newsletter, his newsletter on Substack, with a new series called Blue Book, which will be about true-life documented UFO encounters that teams him with artist Michael Avon Oming and Tinian Substack will launch in early September. Now, it is unclear. Do we know exactly when all of his DC uh, books end? They all yeah, end? Yeah, so they all end in, uh, well, Batman, his run on Batman, specifically that series, will end in November. Okay. The Fear State, the Fear State event. Then he's still going to stick around for Joker in that's going to end in April okay. of next year. And I think that and DC Vampires is the only other thing that he's working on after he ends his run on Batman. And I think DC Vampires is a six-issue miniseries right. that starts in, Octo- starts in October. Okay. So I'm guessing that the April Joker issue will probably be the last thing that he works for, at least ongoing basis for DC. He could still come back. They could announce something, obviously, but it seems after Joker, it's going to be 100% focused on whatever Substack stuff he's doing. Gotcha. All right. Well, Blue Book will kick off by depicting the lives of Betty and Barney Hill, who become UFO mythology legends when they reported their abductions in the White Mountains of New Hampshire in September of 1961. Tinian notes that he'll continue his creator-owned titles, The Department of Truth, The Nice House on the Lake, Something is Killing the Children, and co-write the book's spinoff, House of Slaughter. Fans of Tinian's work will be able to subscribe to his newsletter, The Empire of the Tiny Onion, that's the name of his Substack newsletter, it will cost $7 a month or a discounted rate of $75 a year. The plan allows subscribers to read Blue Box directly in their inboxes or on the Substack website and grants them access to the full library of comic titles that Tinian has planned for the platform. Tinian stated that I don't think there's ever been a better deal in comics than what Substack is offering. We have complete creative control. We retain all the rights of publishing and other media with no restrictions, and we have the money to pay people in the kind of rates they might expect at one of the larger corporate publishers. Tinian said, pointing to an upfront financial guarantee provided by the Substack Pro program. Quote, if the creators taking this deal play their cards right, it means they that we can rewrite the rules of the entire comic book industry on our terms, not the publishers. I don't think people are going to realize how big this can be right away, but if we're smart about it, this could be the start of a whole new paradigm in creator-owned comics, end quote. And after this was reported, on August 12, 2021, Chip Zdarsky announced he is also joining Substack. Zdarsky said that Substack will be where his fans can get his creator-owned comics. He also said that he is no longer going to do comic conventions, so everything you used to get from him at conventions, you can now get at his Substack page. He also announced he'll be doing Zoom panels with 100 people on a first-come, first-served basis. And then after that, on August 28th, 2021, it was reported that 
writer Donnie Cates, and artist Ryan Stegman are joining Substack Pro as well, and will be continuing their collaboration from Venom and Absolute Carnage and King in Black by launching their own creator-owned series called Vanish, in addition to two other creator-owned series that are a part of their publishing imprint, KLC Press. KLC stands for Kids Love Chains. You might want to change the name of that publishing company. That is really unsavory. <laughs> two, <laughs> I'm just saying, two other Kate's written projects, Flood with Martis Megan Hutchinson Cates and colorist D. Cuniff, and the one you feed with artist with artist Dylan Burnett will be serialized on the KLC Press Substack Pro newsletter. Those two books were previously announced to be published by Image Comics, and Cates has assured that that hasn't changed. Cates said, quote, both will eventually be coming out through Image in print, as will Vanish, while Vanish Flood and the one you feed will eventually be published through Image. Cates and Stegman say that this Substack Pro grant allows them to do more. Quote, we can now bring you a behind-the-scenes look at what it is like for us to make this book, Stegman says. Quote, I hope the experience people get out of this make it more memorable than a monthly comic. They're a part of everything that we're doing. End quote. Kate says that traditional model for creator-owned comics is, quote, in some way very disconnected from the creators themselves, end quote, and that Kate wants to have more direct connection with the readers. Kevin, there's a lot of big-name talents joining Substack in a very short amount of time. This Substack Pro program seems to be very compelling to these creator, uh, creator-owned creator projects. These, the, these are big-name people. It's not like Substack went out and got small-name people, Kevin. They got some big-name people that are currently working for Marvel and DC. The financial aspect of the Substack Pro program sounds very appealing, Kevin. I mean, they're getting yeah. paid first by Substack, second through their subscriptions, and then thirdly, they get to retain all control of everything they create, right? And after the first year, they're just kicking only 10% back to Substack. That's amazing. And it also allows them a direct channel to their fans and readers. That's that's a game changer in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, because that, that was the other thing that the big news story out of all this too is that a lot of creators are finding that Substack is the ideal even social media platform because a lot of them... We see that online all the time. There's a lot of comic book fans that are just so toxic. And it's as much as I love comic books and I support a lot of creators and everything, I try and make sure I I let the creators that I love know, hey, yep. thank you very much for all the great work. Yep. But there's more, much more people that if you do one thing wrong, you're just going to file them. They will, so many, it will hammer you. And, and so many so many creators that, that has turned them off to yep. social media in general because we see them take breaks all the time because of yes. mental health just because they get attacked so hard and yes with substack at least they're going to be able to control yes. all that so they're going to have much more control of how they interact with fans or how fans interact with them as well if you're an asshole on the platform you're going to probably get kicked by their, their substacks so that's like, right it's much more creator friendly and yes that. and this is also i think another important thing to bring up because scott snyder is involved with substack that like scott snyder also signed a like what was a, a month ago, he signed up that Comixology on Originals deal yes. with Amazon. Yes. That was for eight titles that he's also doing with Amazon. So I think this this is news on top of that as well, which is, I think, another key aspect of this, that we're seeing these creators, they're just, they know that there's better opportunities out there. Like if you've created a name for yourself in working for DC Comics or Marvel or even Image, if you built up enough name, you could become your own publisher. At That's the, right. At the end of the day. Yes. So it's like, why not take the chance? And as long as you can make good money and we know, and I honestly do think that th at the end of the day, this is actually a really positive thing for the industry because this is going to hopefully open Marvel and DC's eyes specifically to there's competition out there. We know all our big name, all even whether it's big name creators or yep. mid tier level creators, they understand that they could actually make more money just by tapping into if they could get a thousand or 2000 people to 
support them on Substack. Yes, that's probably more than that they're getting from War One DC. To be honest, absolutely. Even after, even after Substack takes their cut, yeah, they're still probably like again. It doesn't take. It doesn't take 30, many. 000, it doesn't take thirty thousand readers. It's like, no. that's the big thing. It's not thirty thousand readers, forty thousand readers. They would at Marvel. If you could get two thousand people to support you on there, that's probably you're probably making as much as if you were working on two or three titles at Marvel and DC because Marvel and DC have notoriously not paid their creators well. Yeah, they, we we had that we had that news story of how they pay for if anything it's Marvel um if there's a MCU movie that's based on a comic book story, they pay their creators like what five thousand yes. dollars if that right for for something that they wrote and is inspiring a billion dollar movie. And how much of a turnoff, as a creator, how much of a turnoff is that? You see on big screen, your story being brought to life and you get paid no more than $5,000 out of the billion dollars that it earns plus. But they give you, oh, here's a premiere ticket and that's, okay, now you can be satisfied and be quiet right. while we make all our money. Uh, you but, make a good point, Kevin. You don't need big numbers. You don't need to be getting the same kind of numbers that yeah. a Batman title gets. You don't need that. If you just take what you say, you get 2,000 subscribers. Just let's take that number, 2,000, which is absolutely attainable for most of these yeah. people that join Substack. I would say getting 2,000 subscribers is attainable. If you got 2,000 subscribers, take James Tinian, for example. He's doing seven bucks seven bucks a month, right? That's He's getting $14,000 a month is what he would be making. What does that translate to for a yearly income? $168,000 a year. That's a, Kevin, that's a hell of an income. I think most people listening to this podcast will take that for a yearly income. You don't need a big subscriber base. And, and, and you know, I, I get it. He's got to kick, you know, 10% back to, to Substack. That's fine, but still. And, and then also split it up with whoever the artist that he, and like team that he's working with at the time. Too. Right. But it's still fact you can see, and that's just using 2,000 subscribers. I guarantee you Tinian has more than 2,000 subscribers. I, yeah. I, I guarantee you. Oh, and, 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 and then the other thing that's important to factor in, this is just a digital model. Thank you. Them. Yes. Like they, could eat, they, could eat, they could also be, this is how we're going to digitally produce our content, but then they could team up with, they, they could team up with Image yes. Comics, Dark Horse, yes. uh, to say, hey, we want you guys to publish either our physical single issues that or, we'll get another like 20, 30,000 people right. to read. Or, or the trade paperback, whichever yes. version that they want to go with. Like, right. they don't have to produce the single issues. And you know, Image and Dark Horse, they'll be like, yeah, sure, why not? Sure. We'll do it. We just have to publish it. We don't have to pay. We only pay for the publishing rights. So that, And it works out for everybody in this, in terms of just the creators. Of like, Absolutely. Get, like, for the big titles that they produce that they know will sell well as single issues, they could do that. But for titles that they that are just on their platform that like are, have a readership, but then let's just put it out as a trade paperback. They could do that, and then that's extra money for the creators as yes. well for how that how they'll pay with their partner. That's how maybe they pay off with their partners and right. They, and the money on top of the money that they make from Substack, yes. then they could also things. And then that's for some. If once conventions come back, they can make money off conventions as well. Yep. Like I know Chip Zdarsky said that he's not going to go to conventions, but a lot of these creators they still going to right. conventions and they make good money off convention stuff. So. It's, it's a um, no-brainer. Sorry, I think it, it's a win. It's it a absolutely win. is. It's, it's a huge win. You're making money off your digital content with Substack. You, you still can get it printed through Image or or another dark horse. And then you still own all the rights just clear and free from what you create on Substack to then option for a TV show or a movie or merchandise or whatever. This feels to me, Kevin, like a sea change it feels to me like this is how, this is the path forward. And I think for the first time, Marvel and DC used to be, that that was how you made the big money. You made the big money by getting to work for Marvel and DC and getting a couple of titles with them. That's how you were able to make money as a comic book writer or artist. I think now, no, 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 no. Marvel and DC is now where you go to try to build a name and then leave and do something like Substack. Or... We may come to the time, it's possible, Kevin, we may come to the time that where Substack becomes so popular and people are used to going to Substack for their content, then if you have talent and you have faith in yourself, you might just skip Marvel and DC altogether and go straight yeah. to Substack. Yeah, or, or you could just, a lot of them would just either use Marvel and DC to build their names and then go to Substack because yep. that's like what we're seeing here. We're seeing yep. here that a lot of these creators 
have worked for Marvel or DC Comics, and they worked for them for what a couple years, a handful of years already, and now they've built up a name, so that's how you recognize yeah. them. Obviously, for me, the big turnoff is just that how many more subscriptions can I add to my, to right. my already growing Agreed. number of subscriptions? Like, oh, that. I agree. That's the, that, that's the, the biggest thing that for me, maybe I'm not going to read like subscribe to Tinian or any of these other creators that I love uh, Substack, but I will read them when they re- come out in trade paperback form right. or uh, like in trade form. That's how I'll probably experience them just because I don't think I could justify having no. on top of all the other subscriptions that I have. But again, for, for the fan base, the ones that will support them, like I said, you right. don't need a huge, you don't need to set, like have comic book sales, individual no. sales numbers for, for this too. No. As long as you have a good plan, as long as you're being, as long as you're doing well by your community and building up your community, that's com- that's the biggest thing. So, and Again, like I said, I'm not interested in, but this just reminds me of like when Robert Kirkman left yes. Marvel back back in the day when he he finally left them. And I remember, I'll be honest, that I was like, why would you ever leave Marvel? I remember talking to our friend Andre, Andrin, um, about this. Of like, yeah. man, I can't believe Robert Kirkman is leaving Marvel. Is he crazy? And I remember saying, as a, like, uh, what was it? I think I was 18 or. 19 when that happened right and I, I was i was one of those people but i was like are you crazy why would you ever leave marvel or dc but again it's a long-term plan that it's creator owned um stuff and now like looking back at it i was just like i can't believe i said that stuff because again you you have there's so much better opportunities if you own the product especially right now where yes. so many companies are buying content it's a content oriented base we just talked about in our mango our mango revolution podcast about sony buying Crunchyroll, the platform for 1.2 billion dollars they just bought a platform they didn't buy content right. and and that was just to get more content on their funimation stuff so everybody is buying content like crazy right now so why wouldn't you take a chance on yourself to produce more content that would you produce it as a comic book that's going to have a good readership has good word of mouth and then you could present that to a hollywood studio say hey you know what here's the results i have by this is how many readerships i had for this comic book that is on Substack. that is just my readership base they have a word of mouth uh, and they have proven concept which is a lot of conflicts now it's proven concept for pitching it to movie studios compared to just giving a script to a movie studio or a tv mm-hmm. studio i agree so I, it's, it's, a, it's a win for the creators i, I agree look I, I i'm with you we're we're in the age of subscriptions okay we're, we're this is the age we live in it's all about subscriptions and subscriptions to everything in the world from your apps to your mm-hmm. streaming services to podcasts to <laughs> everything and I'm with you. I won't probably get aboard any of these Substack subscription newsletters because I, I'm capped out with the number of subscriptions I have. And mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, seven bucks a month, God bless Tinian and anybody who wants to get do that, that's awesome. But for me, seven bucks a month, that's that's more than I pay for, you know, Peacock. It's more than I pay for it's about what I pay for Disney Plus. It's it's you know, close to Netflix. It's seven times what a well, more like four times what I pay for Shonen Jump. So, I mean, you know, I everyone's going to have to figure out what subscriptions you want to do, but I, I think, but I like that like, it's an option. And even Marvel Unlimited and DC right. Universe Infinite, that's about the same price as those yeah. apps. So it's like you got to factor yeah. all this. And again, I think the big thing is that you're not just competing anymore for against other comic book no. You're not competing no. against other comic book companies. You're competing no. against NFL. You're competing yes. against against disney you're competing yes. for all these because everybody is in the subscription model yes. it's a big thing of how we i know when we're talking about nfl like nfl does not view nba or mlb as no. a competition they their competition is disney their competition Bingo. is apple amazon because right. that's who they're it's all about a uh, race for attention yep. How, yep how can you get people's attention yep and, and everybody is competing against each other and again these comic creators are just entering that that that, that market under as as basically uh mom and pop shops yep or so, yeah agreed no like so, businesses. thumbs up i'm glad even i won't be subscribing i'm glad that i'm glad this is happening it's a good thing and for me kevin yeah. you know I, you mentioned kirkman and you were wondering why that would happen why he would leave marvel you know for me this reminds what i always grew up thinking everyone wants to write for marvel and dc everyone wants to write for marvel and dc and what broke my mind as a young teen was 1992 in 1992, uh, yes. when Eric Larson and Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld 
and Todd McFarlane and Will Sportasio and Mark Silvestri and Jim Valentino all left Marvel. Kevin, those were, first of all, that was Marvel Comics, literally. Those guys were literally 80% of Marvel Comics at the time. And those were the biggest name creators at the time. And I was just like, my brain snapped in half. This was unheard because up until then, nobody, and I mean nobody, tried to make their fortune outside of Marvel and DC. Nobody. And ever since 1992, you know, I think some people kind of viewed this as the exception, right? Because they were such big name as the right time, right place, right moment kind of thing that it could never be replicated. But I think we're now seeing years later, decades later, really, you're right. Back in 92, Kevin, you had to be something, a real big name person with a lot of money to be able to pull this off. But now, with the technology the way it is, Substack Pro, that's for anybody. Anyone who has the talent and, and the faith in themselves can do it. I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. I like this a lot. What it does make me wonder is the future of Marvel and DC. Not that they're going to go out of business. Well, maybe DC, but not Marvel. What makes me wonder is, will they still be viewed as the Cadillac of the comic book industry? It used to be, that's where you wanted to work. And I'm telling you, Kevin, I now think you see more creators viewing a Substack deal as the holy grail rather than working for Marvel in DC. And not only will Marvel and DC no longer be the top level jobs in the comic industry, you could also be witnessing the end of the long career long runs that a writer would have with a company. You know what I mean? Like Chris Claremont at Marvel and you know, Walter Simonson at Marvel, Uh, these, these, these amazingly long runs that writers would have with one company. I don't know if you're going to see those anymore. Well, also, are we ever going to see more exclusive contracts anymore? I think because that's the other big thing. Because I think from what I remember, when Civil War was going on for Marvel, I remember that was an age where we're all talking. I think the big talk was, yep. Who's going, to, who's going to sign where? Is Jeff Johns going to move over to DC Comics? Is mm-hmm. Mark Miller exclusive to to Marvel? Ben, Brian Bendis at Brubaker, Mark Fraction, and all these creators that from that era. And for a long time, it was DC and Marvel were in a race to sign as many people under exclusive contracts. But we're now seeing it with most recently with Brian Bendis, who signed exclusively to DC Comics a couple of years ago. And now his contract ran up at the at the beginning of this year. We're probably not going to see big names sign exclusive contracts, and maybe more when DC aren't interested in giving out exclusive contracts anymore with how the industry is right now with sales and everything. That's not like profitable yeah. for them to sign like, these creators. And maybe we will see more creators do one or two year runs yep. at, at all these at Marvel and DC be like, hey, we're going to tell yep. uh, 12 to 24 issue run. And that's, that's good enough. Let me tell. And that's honestly probably for the best. Just yep. give me. I've for a long time believed that just give me a good story, whether it's an epic of 12 issues, 24 issues, whatever. I don't need a hundred issue nope. run for it. Right. You're more likely to like more people are likely to fall off at that point. If, yeah. And like I've said that most of these creators, they want to move on to the next big thing. They don't want to spend like 10 years of their life on yep. one thing doing one thing. And I think this just speaks to that of like, and maybe Marvel and DC will recognize that and say, hey, you know what? We'll pay you like what Tinian uh, was on Batman for about almost two years now. Yep. He had a two year run of writing Batman. He wrote Joker War. He wore, we're now writing Fear State and a bunch in between that. It's really great Batman comic books. And he told his Batman story. Now he can move on to the next big thing and mm-hmm. we could get the next big writer. So it's, right. I think it's a good thing because like it also will provide focus for a lot, lot more creator runs because like we know that these creators aren't going to be there for five years. Right. So they have to stretch out, out stories or like make co- stories overly convoluted or yep. something. Cause they're like, I got two years on this. I got one year or two years on this title. Right. Let me tell the best story possible. Agreed. <laughs> it's not going to be super convoluted. <laughs> Agreed. My last word on it would be what I like about it is I, I come my upbringing. I come from a labor union family and yeah. that's how I was raised. So anything that gives mm-hmm. power to the employees over a big corporation, I like. Yeah. So the fact yeah. that this puts more power yeah. in the hands of the creators and less power of the corporations appeals to me. That's just my personal upbringing and bias coming through. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and, they, and, the, and it gives these power, creators more power to be a tell when Marvel and DC approach them to actually have power in the yep. negotiations for how much they're going to get paid. Cause yep. from from what is said is they don't get paid a lot for no, their they don't. For they don't. stuff. They don't. And they so really it's don't. like now they can't afford health insurance. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, now they could say, hey, I'm making this much money on Substack. Why am I going to take attention away from my Substack or Patreon or whatever subscription service they're on? Because uh, there are a lot. Substack's not the only game. There's Patreon and stuff like that. That's right. But uh, so, so again, like this is going to give, this gives them a little bit more negotiation power. So it's going to be a good thing for them. And the last topic I want to touch on is related to this. And I think because again, it's part of the evolution of the evolution of the business. James Tinney on August 13, 2021 announced on his Substack newsletter that he will be leaving Twitter. What happened, Kevin? Substack is a, is an agnostic platform. And by that, I mean, it does not push or avoid any particular message. Okay. It's not like, for example, you know, you could say it's, it's quite common. You know, Facebook may push a right wing bent. Twitter may push a left wing bent. There are certain platforms that may lean one way or the other. Substack is pla- is is ag- an agnostic platform. What means what that means is there may be people on Substack who you don't agree with at all, and because it's it's an agnostic platform, and that's kind of what the United States of America is all about. It's in our Constitution, something called the right to free speech. People don't like that, and when Tinney announced he was joining Substack, he got ravaged by. I don't I, look. Again, I'll openly disclose, like I said, I come from a, a labor union family, so duh, obviously I was <laughs> a Democrat on my own growing up, obviously. So I'm not good. I don't want to paint with a broad bush, but there were some people on, I'll say far left, who just ravaged Tinian because he was joining Substack, which is a, which has people who are not the best people on it or may say things you don't like. And unfortunately, we're in, an era, we're in a time period where people, you know, are not tolerant of if you're if you're a Republican, you eat babies, and if you're a Democrat, you believe in killing, you know, women or I don't know whatever it is, whatever hyperbole you can throw at in this day of the culture war. Nobody likes anybody anymore, and no one can tolerate anything that's outside of their own little area. So he just got hammered. He got hammered, Kevin. It was brutal. And so, and and by the way, Tinian is, you know, totally left wing. Doesn't matter. The far left ate him alive on Twitter. And he, on a Substack, stated, quote, in short, I think social media is terrible. So I'm leaving it. As of today, I'm basically only going to use at James the Fourth account to let folks know when I posted a new article here on Substack and maybe the occasional retweet. And then my goal is sometime at the end of this month or the start of next of the next to shutter the at James the Fourth account indefinitely. The at read tiny onion account will continue to be active with news about my latest comic book releases, but I'm going to be paying somebody to run that page and it's going to be fully promotional. This newsletter is going to be my only regular mode of direct contact with the internet. But now it feels pretty clear that the end game of social media is more dystopian than utopian. The algorithms that underlie the platforms feed in on engagement at all costs and keep us frothed up and angry to try and force us to engage with it. You are receiving constant inputs about what people think about you and what you said, and those inputs are demanding your attention. You can't have any opinion anymore without dozens of people jumping down your throat or shutting it down. You can't have a bad day when the internet doesn't want you to, and you can't have a good day when the internet doesn't want you to. You don't like a movie or a comic book? There's, here's a rabbit hole dragging you into a culture war fight you weren't invested in before. You don't like a politician? Here's a rabbit hole dragging you toward... Uh, National, white nationalist groups, you're curious about a conspiracy theory you heard someone talking about at work? Here's the fast track to the most passionate recruiting material by the most diehard believers. I think this S-word is literally rewiring people's brains. It's the kind of brainwashing that you get by joining a cult, but it's being done to you by a mathematical formula with no agenda beyond making you keep using the platform so they can keep showing you as the more frantic fanatically bonded with that platform it can make you the more it can sell you the more it can radicalize you the more it's going to sell you things that are going to further radicalize you i think algorithms social media platforms are literally destroying the world and that's part of what made the Substack offer so appealing to me it's decidedly anti-algorithm platform i think there are horrendous people using Substack platform just like i think there are horrendous people using twitter facebook and YouTube. The difference is, if you engage with my material here on Substack, the platform isn't going to push you toward creators whose views I find reprehensible. I agree there are bad actors using this platform. I am a queer person, and there are some people using Substack who make my skin crawl, but there are also a bunch of 
career writers, and creators of all stripes getting six-figure Substack Pro grants and access to health insurance who have never been offered that kind of security by any other company, certainly not one in a way that lets them keep the rights to everything they make and walk away with it at the end. I don't expect everybody's lines here to be the same as mine. And if you're not comfortable with the platform, I hear you and respect your decision. And I hope you check the books out when they come out in print down the road. To this, I say James Tinian is letting you know the future. I have always advocated. I've done this on podcasts with Stephen and Kevin. I firmly believe Twitter should be used for promoting your material. You should have a corporate account like James Tinian is going to have where you put out your promotional material and it's run by someone that's not you. You hire an employee and that's their job to put out your promotional content. And that is the only thing you use Twitter for. You want any direct contact with your people. You do it through your, your newsletter, your website, whatever, medium, blog, whatever it is. You do it through that and that only. That's how you handle it. I am in, I am totally lockstep in line with Tinian. I do think social media is a toxic wasteland. And honestly, if I was in the business of promoting my own work, I would only use social media in the way Tinian is saying. You strictly keep it through a business account and you hire someone to run it for you. It's better for your brain. It frees up your time and it avoids any kind of problems. He's smart. I would expect to see more people following this format going forward. I don't think Tinian's going to be the only one to do this. I, I I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I don't think he's going to be the only one to do this. I think you're going to see more people do this. No, I, I think I, we already see it, which I, I saw a lot of creators um, on Twitter say the same, kind of the same thing, that it's just, it's not mentally healthy for them to be on, on these social media platforms for a lot of these creators, because whether you're on a small title and, or, uh, or a big title, like if you're dealing with these these characters that have such a long history that if you do one thing that's continued to like we've mentioned before, yep. you, you could get ravaged for yep. it. And it's like, I've never understood why you would do that to a creator. I don't know either. Like Cause like <laughs> there's comic books that I don't like, and I've written reviews of, of things that, Hey, I don't like this. And this is, I explain why, but I'm not going to go out and find their social media no. and t- attack them for it. I'm just, I'll write my review for it. That's, that's my statement on it. And if the creator reads it, that's fine. If he doesn't, if they what? don't read it, that's totally fine as well. But I just wanted to get my thoughts out there. I'm not going to about to attack no. uh, the creators for it. Cause again, that was their vision for the story. Right. Same thing with when it, I don't like a movie or TV show or anything like that. That was the creator's vision. I don't agree whether I, I, and if I don't agree with it, cool. I'll state my thoughts on it, but I'm not going to attack them no, or anything like that. Or like, I won't, and especially in that case, I won't mention, I won't put them in my mentions. I won't mention no. their Twitter account. I'll maybe no. say their name, but I won't say their, well, I won't purposely go out of my way. So I could under, I totally understand Tinian's motivations for just coming off social media, hiring a community manager, I think is good. Yeah. They could be a, they could, they could be their gateway for say, Hey, this is what your fans are thought and everything like that. And you work with a community manager yes. to uh, communicate with your uh, audience or customer yes. service agent or whatever you may call them. And, and they're uh, trained her. and they're trained how to and do her, it the trained. right way without, yeah. without making a gaffe that blows up in your face. And, they're trained to do it right. Could, and, and they could communicate with you of like saying, hey, this is what people are online saying. Right. This is maybe something that you might want to address on your newsletter or something like that. So again, like they could be the in-between person for you and and, yep. and your fans as well. So I think that's important to have. You get those uh, another person's thoughts and opinions as well. And again, might be also speaking it a bit about it because I, I deal with community management as part of my <laughs> job. But again, I think it is an important thing for yes. like mental health as well. So I think that that's the biggest thing is that mental health. I, yes. uh, uh, from everything that Tinian said, I think that's what it speaks to. And yep, yeah, I, I think, again, it, it's healthy for them. And I'm glad that Tinian is realizing it for him, his own sanity. And like oh, so many other creators are realizing it. Like for me, the more interesting thing is because we just saw this with, while it's not related, it is kind of related because they're similar platforms of OnlyFans as well. Like we just saw OnlyFans yes. recently come out with changes to their not, not safe for work stuff <laughs> of like taking off, <laughs> off like any other pornographic stuff that's yep. on OnlyFans. I do wonder eventually once Substack gets more maybe mainstream potential for it and gets more like since they are hiring so many creators, not just right. in the comic book industry, but also in the sports and, and others, if we're going to see Substack do something similar to what OnlyFans just recently did. Cause again, when you get become more mainstream, that's mm-hmm. when money starts talking a lot and you mm-hmm. try and get investors and stuff. So I do 
like again, I don't think Substacks will be will, will be able to stick to what they say or whatever because mm-hmm. again, money talks a lot in a lot of these instances, and they are paying a lot of money to get people on their platform right now. But and we know that they're not doing this for altruistic reasons; they're uh, no. doing this because they want more. Ma- they want uh, to yes. become the mainstream platform for these this type of subscription service, and yep. so. So again, that's something always to keep an eye out for for any creator that is looking to jump on this platform. That is something you always have to be monitoring of mm-hmm. in terms of services because they could yep. easily change. All these oh. companies could easily change. So oh, yeah. it's not just OnlyFans just that just did it, but P- I remember Patreon has yep. done that at various points. Mm-hmm. So and I don't think Substack will be will be able to avoid that in the future. So again, as long as these creators are aware of that and right. just continue to have their head on a swivel when it comes to these type of things they right. that, that's all like i think that's more of the big issue of this of like it's not just that oh they have right wingers or and stuff like that or right wing people on on this but you just got to keep an eye on how substack changes their term of service mm-hmm. I, I, like because that, that's always an evolving thing i know that you know that from the oh, yeah. side of things so oh yeah especially when companies want to get more money to their oh. Suddenly their 10% cut becomes 20% and yeah, suddenly so. these comics pro programs don't pay you know 100k they pay 75k yeah. then they pay 50k things change all the time yeah the, so. the deal that tinian gets is is not the same one someone might get in five years <laughs> exactly so. again, and, and again it's just like how things change and we see that with other similar Substack platforms that again it's just when, when yep. you deal with more and more money more mainstream attention yep like all these companies will respond in the way that they respond so again as long as the creators have their head on a square when i keep their mm-hmm are aware of all that stuff that overall, I think that this is a good move for the industry. And oh yeah. It hopefully will be a kick in the ass for Marvel and DC moving forward too. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see what Tinian did. I, I, I encourage all creators to get off uh, social media as fast as they can and get their own newsletter or medium blog or whatever format. That's it's, it's why I like the comic book revolution website because it's a place where I can get my stuff out and not have to deal with social media. And it's funny you mentioned it, man. How many times over since the revolution started back in 06, Kevin, how many times have I just hammered a Brian Bendis comic? Mm-hmm. I have never once, ever once thought to freaking try to talk to that guy on social media and be like, you, why would you do that? Yeah. That's crazy. Like you, might, you might mention his name as part of your status post, but you're not going to like, mention his actual handle. No. Like you're not going to call never, out his handle. So, never. Again, no, it's that's respecting it. I'm fine. I have no problem writing a review that's negative, but I would never, ever call out someone on social media or harass. That's insane. Like I, I don't get that. I don't get why people feel like they can yeah. simply just name call or harass or just hound mm-hmm. these creators because they did something. Wow, dude, what it, that blows my mind. It always has yeah. blown my mind. You, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. But you're right. You see it all the time. Boy, if I. I'm glad to see what Tinian's doing, and more of these creators need to take care of themselves, to be honest with you. They really do. So, anyhow, it's going to be interesting to see, Kevin, how everything moves forward. You know, it's good. this is a big deal. This is a big change, and we'll see. I'm excited, Kevin, to see what new writers are going to hop on a Substack. I will tell you this. I'm trying to think, who would I pay? Who would I pay a subscription, a monthly subscription fee for their newsletter? And really, the only writer I can think of would be Grant Morrison. I would absolutely mm. pay to subscribe to Grant Morrison's Substack newsletter. I would. Mm. That I would. He, I think, is the only writer that I would do so. And maybe there are a like, few artists I might. Like, maybe if, yeah. you know, Alex Ross, maybe. You know? Th- yeah. There's maybe a few artists, but it's it's a, it's a really short list. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, I think the only ones that would interest me is like Scott Snyder, but he has the deal with Comixology right now. Right, so like, yeah. I think I'm going to be probably go there, that direction, whatever he does with sure. Comixology and Amazon. That's what I'm going to support. But yeah, it's just, I think for me, it's just, I just have too many subscription services already. <laughs> that, that I, I will, I can't be patient and wait for these comic books that, that they produce to come out on like trade paperback yeah. or single issue format or something like where I could just collect it or something like But then paying like a monthly subscription service on top right. of like the 10 others that I have for my entertainment right now. So Right. It's funny you mention that because I think the new, for uh, the only newsletter I said I'd subscribe to would be Grant Morrison. And it wouldn't be for a cop, wouldn't be a newsletter to get his new creator on comics. I would subscribe to a newsletter just to read Grant Morrison's thoughts about creative writing, the superhero mm-hmm. genre, the comic book industry, and past stories. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? That would be cool. And Chip Zazarski mentioned also that he's opening things up for, like, he's going to do, like, a, what, a monthly Zoom? Yeah, which is such a cool idea. Yeah, and that's a great idea. Again, that's also all great stuff that if you want to interact with your audience, I think it's not just going to be through these comic books and newsletters. I think they they should do stuff like the Zoom thing. I think that's an intelligent idea of, like, communication and stuff. So It's awesome, isn't it? We live in such an amazing age of internet technology Mm -hmm. that – the possibilities really are endless going forward. They really are, which is exciting, which I, at least I find really exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all going to be exciting. It's an exciting future. And I think this is like, especially with the deals that Marvel and DC have done with, yeah. with Swisha and, and webtoons on top. And then you get this stuff. I think we're in an exciting time for the concrete industry. And hey, I agree. we didn't need San Diego. Con- we didn't need San Diego Comic Con to create this excitement. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Amen, brother. All right. Well, on that note, I want to remind everyone, again, you can download and listen to the Comic Book Revolution podcast on all podcast services out there. And you can also check out all of our reviews and features on the comic book and manga industry over at comicbookrevolution.com. All right, Kevin. This was awesome. As always, thank you for hanging out with me today. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Absolutely. All right. As always, until next time, viva la revolucion.